Thank you for joining us on the Children's Church of Christ podcast. We're glad you're here, and we hope that this message speaks to you in a way that helps you walk and live in community with God and in His kingdom this week. God bless you in your journey. I just need to talk louder. Good morning. Hello, Children's Church of Christ. It is so good to be with you today. It truly is an honor and a joy to be with you. For those who don't know me, my name is Drew. Me and my wife, Kelsey, right over here, used to do youth ministry at this church not very long ago. Uh, It was August 6, 2023. That was our last day here, and we moved to Lubbock to start a new ministry. Um, Earlier in class, we did an update about the ministry we were doing called Through Jordan. And if you want to hear more about that, you can find us after. You can look at our website, throughjordan.org. For our time right now, I'm not going to speak any more about that. Um, But I say that to say it's so good to be back. It's been six months. In ways, it feels like a few weeks. And in ways, it feels like a whole lot longer than just six months We've enjoyed so many things about what this church is doing as we observe from Lubbock. I want to mention a few of them. We've enjoyed your posture of contentedness and patience as you search for a preacher. Hurry or or quickening was not a pace of the rabbi that we serve. We look at Jesus' life posture. He was never in a hurry. He was always getting interrupted, and he was always willing to go with the interruptions. And I see this church with a a similar posture, not in a hurry, very patient, very open-palmed and composed to wait on the Lord's timing for whoever that person will be that he sends to you, and whenever that will take place. We've enjoyed following along with you as we listen to Josh and Andrew and Jacob preach on their rotation and We're grateful uh, for the interruption that we have to come in here and and split that up. Uh, But we've really enjoyed listening to three servants um, and students of the Word. Even after all this time, they continue to be students of the Word. We commend you for your pursuit, your continued pursuit of the youth of today. There's so much to celebrate in both children and teenagers. And we hear great things about your new children's minister Michaela Darter. And we hear great things about your new youth ministers, Ethan and Macy Curtis. We're kind of partial to them, um, as are you. We hear of retreats and activities and game nights. We hear the children's classes are overflowing. They're running out of chairs. Uh, What great problems to have. And truly, the Spirit of the Lord continues to move in the heart of this generation of young people. Not because of who we hope they will become, but because of who they already are. And not because of what we hope they will do, but because of what Jesus is already doing in them. You see it on display on moments like these. This church continues to be a beacon for the surrounding community as you're involved, very much like the church in Acts that you've been studying about. Sheltering those that need shelter, providing clothing for those who need clothing, giving food to the hungry. And to top it all off, you have chili cook-offs on today of all days. So excited to be a part of that. 
In a world where churches are many things, it's so refreshing to see this church choose to be love. We're going to keep in step with the series that Josh and Andrew and Jacob have have led for the past couple of months. And today we're going to be in Acts chapter 6, talking about the choosing of the seven. So let's all get our Bibles out and get ready to glean some wisdom from Acts chapter 6. We're going to take this slowly, take a scenic route, and just go through the first couple of verses of Acts 6. The first verse that we'll look at today is verse 1. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Jesus started something new. He recently ascended to heaven. The Holy Spirit is on the move. The apostles are doing incredible things. Miracles are taking place. All kinds of sharing everything they had in common for all those who were in need was taking place. The Jews are noticing. The Romans are noticing. The Lord is doing something. And through it all, the Spirit is on the move. And as we know and believe, Jesus welcomes everyone to come and sit at the table. And there's bound to be some, I grew up this ways, in that, that may rub against someone else's, I grew up this way. It's not so different from today. And that's what we see here. Two different groups of people that have a history and have a past. There are Hellenistic Jews who are Jews that follow the Jewish law, but it's been translated to Greek. And they're Greek-speaking Jews. And they don't follow the Hebraic laws near as much as the Hebraic Jews, who speak Hebrew and follow more dutifully all of those old traditional laws. And there are Hellenistic Jews and Hebraic Jews stills. We're talking about the ones that have just converted to this new movement, Christianity. And so they've been on somewhat opposing teams, and now they're on the same team. But they have all of that tradition and bias. They've had conflict before, and they still have conflict now. And so they're working through it. And just for some context, widows in that time period in that culture relied heavily on support from the church because women in that time period in that culture received much of their value from relation to a man, like a husband or a father or an adult son. And these women had lost that connection. It's likely that the Jews at the time who would have made this a priority to support widows probably weren't super enthusiastic about supporting these Christian widows. Um, Lots of those people who were giving out food and money to widows uh, were not fans of Jesus. And so it, it wouldn't have been easy for them to give food and money to followers of Jesus. And so it's likely that the support of widows was happening internally of this growing movement of Christians, it's likely it wasn't intentional that the Hellenistic Jews' widows were being overlooked. You got 5,000 people. There's a whole lot of things happening. Every day is new. It was probably just circumstantial. But yet it's genuine. People are going without food, and they need food. And so the apostles gather in wisdom to find a solution to the issue. Verse 2. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. 
So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Waiting on tables means giving out food or giving out money for food. Uh, when I read that, I think of someone like delivering chips and salsa or rolls in a restaurant. Um, so this is just giving money for food, giving out food for people who need it. And it's kind of confusing. It would be easy to think, what's, what's the apostles' deal? Like, are they above giving out food? Are they, uh, are they like greater than, than these other people? Um, and that's not what this is. The apostles say it would not be right for us because they would forsake the job that the Lord has already equipped them, anointed them to do, which is what we'll read here in a second, to preach the word and advance the ministry. Is it worth pulling this car over to go feed the widows? Absolutely. Is it right to pull over and go feed the widows? Absolutely. It's law. But it's not right for the apostles to pull over and feed the widows because they already have a lane that the Lord has equipped them and asked them to run in. And sometimes in our society, we, we rank everything. We rank military. We, we rank work status. We rank, uh, I mean, everything. And sometimes it's easy to think about spiritual giftings and spiritual service in a similar fashion. And so I do want to pause for a second and say the apostles had the spiritual gift of teaching. It came out as they preached and advanced the ministry. But the spiritual gift of service is not less than the spiritual gift of teaching. They are both necessary, both equal, and both direly needed. And so the apostles did not think, oh, well, we're, we've been anointed by Jesus Christ. I don't know if y'all have heard, but we had the Holy Spirit descend on us, tongues of fire. So, uh, you know, maybe we can find someone lesser to go give money and food. That's, that's not this. That's not this. They knew the job that the Lord had asked them to do. Preach. And if they pull over and preach, they may not, if they pull over and feed and give out money, they may not be able to continue in their lane as fervently as before. So say it like this. What we say yes to and what we say no to are always in conjunction with each other. Anytime we say yes to anything, whether it's good or not, we're also saying no to something else simultaneously. When I say yes to a life with Christ, I'm saying no to self. I'm saying no to flesh. I'm saying no to pride. I'm saying no to hate. When I say yes to a new job, it's also saying no to an old one. If the apostles said yes to feeding these widows, it would have been a no to spreading the word of God like they had been asked to do. And sometimes when we say yes, it's easier to say yes to other things, which will also in turn lead to more no's. Kind of like it's easier to use a credit card to pay for things than cash. There's more pain response to use cash to break that Benjamin, but a credit card you can just go. Oftentimes when we say yes, it leads to more yeses even if they're good things. So yes to being on this committee will likely mean yes to being on another committee soon. Yes to bringing the fresh buttery rolls to Thanksgiving dinner will likely mean you're locked in for life, you're the roll person, now you got to bring them every Thanksgiving. Yes is, if I say yes to a lie, 
it makes saying another lie tomorrow more easy. Yeses often lead to more yeses. A yes to serving on a board or some type of leadership seat may be a no to emotional capacity at home. A yes to a new position and yes to more money may be a no to Sabbath and stillness. And if the apostle said yes to passing out food for the widows, passing out money for the food, it very well might have led to a yes to building tents for the homeless, and a yes to investing in an olive oil business, and a yes to scheduling meetings and cultivating opportunities to grow in community with this rapidly growing church. There have been a whole lot of no's to the calling the Lord had already given them to preach, advance the ministry. There's a lot of wisdom to be grasped here from what the apostles said yes to and what they said no to. We might glean some wisdom from that as well. We read in these few verses a good picture of what the apostles do in setting healthy boundaries. Not saying no because I'm above, not saying no because I'm better, but I'm saying yes to what the Lord has already tasked me and equipped me to do. And so we continue to read what takes place. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. So there we see that's their boundary. This is where we are supposed to run. Let's get someone else to run in this lane because we don't want to forsake what we've already been asked and equipped to do. And I think it's really, really special that they turn the responsibility over to these seven men. I'm sure that turning over process took some time to equip, to teach, to instruct, to make sure they had the understanding of the new job. But after that process occurred, it wasn't, all right, we're going to check in for signing off on your job and we're not going to micromanage you. This is your responsibility. I have my giftings and my callings, and now you have yours. So go and do what the Lord has tasked you to do. Verses 5 and 6. This proposal pleased the whole group, which thousands of people. So I don't know how they did that. Pleased everyone. They pleased the whole group. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, glare off of this TV, uh, Parmenas and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. A couple of interesting things that I find about these seven men. All of the names, Stephen, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicholas, they're all Greek names. I don't know. I wasn't there. But a lot of scholars believe all seven of these men would have come from the Hellenistic Jew side of the conflict. And if it's me, and I'm governing two different bodies of people who have history, who have conflict, and now they're having more conflict, and I'm going to govern someone to cease the conflict, I would probably choose a neutral party who isn't a part of either of them. And if I am going to get someone from the Hellenistic Jews and someone from the Hebraic Jews, I'd probably get half and half. 
And then if you're set on seven, let's do four from one group and three from the other. But just like Jesus, the, the Holy Spirit was governing the apostles, and their criteria was different than mine. And their criteria was different than most of ours. If they come to these seven men, it would be really easy to think, okay, who's going to be good? Like, who has education? Who's been really religiously dutiful? Who's been in the church the longest? Things like that. But their criteria was very simple and very significant. Those who are full of the Holy Spirit and those who are full of wisdom. Just going to let that hang. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Little details like that, whenever I read the Bible, it's easy for me to just glaze over them and go to the next verse. That's really cool. So that some priests came to the faith. But if you think about the religious background and all the time these priests would have put into their trade, the land they had been walking in, the ultra-religious. And many in that time period, the ultra-religious were the ones who sent Jesus to the cross, calling him a blasphemer and claiming he was the Messiah when he wasn't. The humility it would have taken for these priests to, to put away everything that they had heard and accept Jesus Christ as Lord is huge. And it says a large number of priests left that to follow Christianity. And I want to zoom in on that word humility. Because when I read Scripture, oftentimes when the Word of God spreads, it's after men and women adopt a posture of humility to allow the Holy Spirit to work through them. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not my dreams and not my hopes and not my vision, but yours, Lord. And if it pleased the whole group, I have to assume that this wasn't a false humility, but genuine, authentic humility. So I want to walk through that for a second. We've got a couple of different people in this whole situation that chose humility. The Hellenistic Jews chose humility in standing up for those who needed standing. And they could have complained about it. It says they complained against the Hebraic Jews. They could have complained about it and just stirred that pot all day long. But instead, they took it to the leaders. They took it to the apostles. And they chose humility in standing up for other people. The apostles chose humility in knowing their calling. And instead of taking on more opportunity to show their authority or more opportunity to do all the things, instead they delegated that authority to other people. Mm. The Hebraic Jews, maybe of all these people, may have shown the most humility. They were complained against. And whenever it was time... They were complained against. They appointed seven leaders, all from the opposing group that they had conflict with. And they showed humility, trusting the Holy Spirit chose the right men. I hope if that was me, I would have had the humility and humbled my own heart to not want to raise up and say, hey, are you sure? I mean, should we get like at least one Hebraic Jew on this committee? Y'all may have chosen incorrectly. 
But they didn't say that. And the seven chose humility in doing what was asked of them and not asking for a position of more authority or more grandeur. We see you guys preaching and we see you guys advancing the ministry. Can I just go with y'all and can you teach me how to do that? What we need you to do is pass out food and pass out money for those who need food. Not super exciting, not super thrilling, but just as needed. The kingdom of God continues to not be about self. And the kingdom of God spreads when Christians die to themselves and allow the Holy Spirit to work despite what I want. Not my will, Lord, but yours. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so I look back and I think about where we come into the story. Is this church perfect? No. Is the church an axe for as much as it is oftentimes glorified? Was it perfect? No. Jesus says through Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 that when perfection comes, all that we see, the imperfect, is going to disappear. For now we see in part, but then when Jesus comes back, when perfection comes, we'll see fully. And now we see only but a poor reflection is in a mirror, but then we'll see it fully, even as we are fully known. And the church in Acts and the church in Childress are similar in two ways. Both are imperfect, and both have beautiful glimpses of the coming perfection that can be seen in their people. And the church in Acts, during a time of consistent transition, things are changing every single day, they delegated responsibilities, and they empowered others, and they handed out tools, and they passed out keys. The need for widows was met, and the anointing of the seven was succeeded. The apostles were freed up to walk in their calling, and now these other guys have jobs as well. And perhaps in this time of transition, the Childress Church of Christ might do the same. To be filled with the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and pass out keys, and pass out tools, and empower others. When we give other people tools, I'm human. Sometimes when I give other people tools or keys or opportunities, thoughts follow. Thoughts like, but what if they don't use the tools well? Or what if they don't use the tool as well as I do? Or do I get the tool back after I let them use it? Which leads back to the criteria of the apostles and choosing of the seven. Not according to our own understanding, but according to those who are full of the Holy Spirit and full of wisdom. And this is really important because many can be full of the Spirit and knowledge, yet not be wise. And many can be wise beyond their years and full of their own passion, but not full of the Spirit. Today at 1 o'clock, I was asked to make this announcement. Uh, today at 1 o'clock, there is an elder deacon meeting at, uh, I believe it's in the fellowship hall. That's where I would assume it would be. And I was in an elders meeting earlier, and the elders asked me at this point to, to charge people to be there. They said it's addressed as an elder deacon meeting, but it's open for anyone and everyone. People who want to serve, people who want to be involved, people who want to pick up tools and use keys and serve. Because ultimately, that's what we are called to do. 
The word deacon just means server. And oftentimes, the best server comes by those without a title. And so if you want to serve, we encourage you, go there. Even if you don't know what you can do, I want to be used. That's, the, that's a really healthy posture for a servant of Christ. I want to be used. Plug me in, Lord. And so I leave you with some encouragement before I wrap this thing up. To those this morning seeking to be filled with the Spirit. I don't know if I am or I know I'm not and I want to be. I encourage you to ask the Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. James tells us that he is the giver of every good and perfect gift. And Luke tells us, I believe I have a slide for this. Yeah, the word of God spreads when his people have humble hearts. That's good. That's a little bit back there. Luke tells us, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If you've never felt the peaceful, gentle breeze of the Holy Spirit, ask. And to those who desire wisdom, James tells us, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. Ask with faith in that which is unseen and hope for what is eternal. Though it's short, we can easily overlook the impact of what takes place in Acts 6. Before exciting things happen and after exciting things happen, it'd be really easy to skip right over what takes place in these very few short verses. And so after looking back through at all those different people who showed humility, I charge you, children, with this. For the believers in the room, whether you're new to Jesus or you've been here for a while, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, or you're a slave, or you're free, or you're a male, or you're a female, we are all one in Christ Jesus. Whatever calling or anointing the Lord has placed upon you, you can only walk in it through genuine, authentic humility. And for the hungry in the room that are going without, maybe you're hungry for food, maybe you're hungry for purpose or meaning. Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount ring true here. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. For the wise... I pray that you continue to walk in humility and lead with gentleness and compassion so that others can walk alongside you and become wise themselves. So scripture says, walk with the wise and become wise. And so I charge you that are wise, allow other people to walk with you and glean from what you have. And for those full of the Spirit, I charge you to utilize the spiritual giftings given to you. Shine especially to those who don't know what it's like to embrace the fullness that the Spirit has to offer. For many, the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the grave lives in them, and yet they do not live
with power or love or self-discipline. Do not grow weary of doing good, for at the proper time you will reap a harvest of righteousness if you do not give up. Again, it's so good to be here in Children's Texas, see people we love, and I pray that you are encouraged by the moving of the Holy Spirit who moved in the Church of Acts and still moves in the Church of Children's Church of Christ today. I'm going to pray, and then I'll turn it back over to Josh. Father God, I thank you so much for these good, good people. I thank you for their love for the world, their love for this community. I thank you that you utilize them as a beacon of light and of truth and of gentleness and of safety in a world where there aren't a whole lot of places to be authentic and to be self. It's here. And we thank you so much for utilizing it the way you have. Father, I pray that you would continue to move in these halls and more importantly, move in the hearts of the people who worship here. I pray that you would shine a spotlight into spiritual giftings and into callings and into anointings that people may not be aware of. And I pray that you would raise those up, those people up to do incredible things as we walk in step with the Spirit. Father, we thank you so much for every good and perfect gift that you bestow upon us. And I pray that you would help us turn those around that we could bear fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100 times over. I pray that you would continue to bless these good people here. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen.